Hello, everybody. This is Mark Vines, and welcome to The Mark Vines Show. Welcome to your one-stop shop for everything American, freedom, patriotic, liberty. Well, pretty much just everything you need to know to live your life. And folks, uh, I once again have Frank Runnels on the line with me today, and uh, I wanted to get caught up on our opinions of what's going on in the world right now. And folks, I am just absolutely stunned, just like you are, at the absolute incompetence of this administration. And the question today is going to be, is this on purpose or is this just truly incompetence? And uh, I had a friend of mine say to me the other day that the difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth is six months. And I thought that that really stuck because a lot of the things that we talked about over the last year are, in fact, starting to come true. Now, um, I have to tell you, uh, I, I don't know if you guys are doing this, but I'm uh, listening to what's being said around the world, uh, listening to our allies, and it, it is very, very difficult to listen to. And when you have Joe Biden say that our allies are not criticizing him and he's completely unaware of that, then this man is is very, very deaf. He really is. I just invite you to go back and watch the recent sessions of the House of Commons in um, Great Britain and some of the questions that the Prime Minister Boris Johnson has been taking, and he's been taking a beating from the members of Parliament over uh, what Joe Biden did and then what Britain's uh, future role is going to be uh, in relation to their working with us. But this is very, very bad, not only for American citizens, um, but this is uh, very bad for creating instability across the globe. And folks, we're going to pay dearly for this. Absolutely going to pay dearly for this. And it's a very complicated issue. Um, it, when I say complicated, it becomes complicated because he's he's made it a complicated issue. It was actually a very simple issue, but uh, we're going to try to break some of this down. And again, I got uh, my good friend here, Frank Runnels, the host of his own podcast called Lies People Tell. Please check that out, Lies People Tell. And Frank is on the line, and uh, we're going to start breaking this down. But my goodness, there is so much to cover that uh, it's even difficult to discuss where to begin. However, I did hear Jen Psaki, our spokesperson for the White House, um, say today, talking to Peter Ducey, and said uh, that she was quite offended that he mentioned that uh, Americans were stranded, and she said that it was uh, basically insulting to uh, refer to Americans as being um, stranded right now. So if you are in Afghanistan and you're listening to this podcast, understand that Jen Psaki said that you are not stranded and you can proceed immediately to the airport and I'm sure nothing will happen to you because that's what our government has told us and I'm sure they would not lie. But with that, Frank, um, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, how you doing, bud? Oh, well, you know what? As you can tell, I'm frustrated. And well, where to begin? Maybe maybe you well, kick it off. Well, Jen, Jen Psaki, two, two observations. She said she took offense that he said that they were stranded and then she said, clearly, they're not stranded. They're being abandoned. Completely different thing. Okay. Oh, uh, the second thing is, how did she get her hair that color? Because that is not a natural color. That is the color of gasoline. So I just, you know, those are the two questions I have. You know. Well, it's good that she but, has gasoline because she's using that gasoline to set this nation. And ultimately, folks, and I want you to listen close to me. Ultimately, well, they are setting the world on fire. Not just this well, is not just about the United States. Speak, speaking of that, you know that uh, it has been admitted that the State Department 
is purchasing fuel from the Taliban to fuel, you know, jets and vehicles and stuff like that for the uh, the relief effort or the the uh, get out of Dodge plan that they have. I did not know that. They're buying, they are buying gasoline that I'm sure the Taliban seized from us at Bagram Air Base so we can fly out. It is insanity at its best. You know, Frank, if I wasn't watching this in front of my own eyes, I wouldn't believe it. I would not believe this. No. <laughs> no. No. Sane people, sane people would never even consider this because this is so crazy town that normal functioning people with normal functioning brains couldn't even conceive of something like this. This is, this is like, you know, you have to write fiction for a living to come up with a scenario this bizarre because nobody in their right mind would say, well, I could see that happening. You know what? I'll even go a step further, Frank. And I would say this, that I don't know that I would read this novel because I don't like to read novels that are just so bereft of reality. Like when I read uh, fiction, I like to think, okay, well, you know, this could happen, right? And then it's just kind of make-believe. But this story is so bizarre that it would be such a departure from reality that I don't even know that I would read it. The, the level of incompetence on the civilian leadership side and the military leadership side is so breathtaking that it, it's almost hard to comprehend that they could have, we could have such a confluence of not only incompetence, but just out-and-out mendacity on the military side to basically say, hey, boss, whatever you want to do, well, you know, we're leaving 10,000 people behind. Oh, well, that's what the boss wants. I guess that's what he gets. Now, these are the same people that tried to block Trump from everything they possibly could all the way to when Trump said, hey, can I bring up the National Guard because of all the riots and insurrections going on? And Millie, like, no, absolutely not. You can't do it. Maddox, no, absolutely not. And then they turned around and said, yeah, yeah, 30,000 troops in D.C., sure, absolutely no problem. So they have no credibility, zero credibility with anyone. And I want our listeners to understand something, that after January 6th, we for months, I mean months, kept more troops surrounding the Capitol than we have in Afghanistan right now. Think, so, let that sink in there for a minute. I, I saw Mike, I saw, I saw him every day walking around the Capitol, fences up, roads blocked, troops stationed every 20 feet, armed, you know, standing outside there in full uh, battle rattle. And it was just like, it, it was surreal. It was surreal. You know, so let's let's break this down a little bit. Now, now we know that Joe Biden absolutely has no business being in the White House right now. No business. Now, how do I know that? Because as the world is falling apart, he's in the White House meeting with the uh, women's NBA champions. Um, he was on vacation. And do not ever, ever forget this. While this was going on, he was on vacation. He came back from vacation long enough to give that stupid press conference that he gave. Then as soon as he was done, he immediately went back on vacation. Kamala Harris could not be seen anywhere. 
um, uh, she she still has not given a press conference that I'm aware of. Uh, you know, I, I could be wrong about that, but I don't think that I am. Um, and he he doesn't address this issue. That there is not a more pressing issue in the United States going on in the world today. And what is this guy doing? He's just like, well, well, I, it, it doesn't matter. Now I, I get that, and I knew that he was a disaster. I'll tell you what surprised me though is I did not realize how quickly of a disaster this man was going to be. So I'm going to put him aside. Let's just put Biden aside for a second, Frank. Let's talk about everybody else. Let's talk about the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the Secretary of Defense, the the State Department, um, you know, the Secretary of State. Let's talk about all these different people and all the folks that uh, that that resigned and then went out and went to the press under Trump. All of those people, because he wrote a letter, because he there was a word they didn't like in a phone call, those types of things, all these people that right. resigned, where the hell are they now and why are they not resigned? I tell you what, I was a military officer. Frank, you were a military officer. There is no way in good conscience I could ever, ever, ever carry out the orders that this man has given. How about you? No. I mean, it, put a perspective for everyone. Say you get an order from your commander, your your higher up, saying, "Listen, I need you to pull out of a, a location and take all your troops with you." I know that there's ten thousand Americans and allies there that are probably going to be slaughtered if you leave, but I want you to do it anyway. What's you going to be your answer? Your answer going to be, "Well, we can't do that, right?" That's the normal answer. And they said, nope, nope, I'm ordering you to do it. And you say, well, that I, that doesn't even sound like a legal order to me. Because we only have to follow legal orders. And you just push back. And if all else fails, you just say, well, sir, I'm going to have to resign and protest. And, and when I resign and protest, then I can, I can go to the press and tell them what we're doing. That's what normal people do. Now, what they did was like, okay, boss, 10,000 people maybe dying at the hands of the Taliban is a small price to pay. For my career, because that's what they're putting ahead of everything else is their stinking career, their military career, their post-military career, their post-government career as lobbyists and with the defense Raytheon and who who knows else. That's what they're putting ahead of the lives of civilians, men and women and kids. They're going to be slaughtered. It's a simple. They're going to be slaughtered. And September 11th is coming up, and I have no doubt in my mind that September 11th symbolically is going to be the day where much of that is done. Brother, they already said, because you know, Biden, they're sort of floating the, the, the thing like that. We may not be able to leave August 31st. The Taliban said, oh, no, 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 you're leaving August 31st. And if you don't, that's the red line you cross, and you don't want no good consequences. That's right. And, uh, and so we, we, what we will do, and they've already p- uh, pivoted on their, the way they're phrasing this. They're saying every American that wants to leave. And when they get pressed, what they'll say is if they really wanted to leave, they would have left already because they knew there was a drawdown coming. Or they would have come to the airport and say, put me on a plane. If they didn't do that, then they obviously wanted to stay. Negating or leaving out the, the fact that you can't get to the airports. You can't get through the checkpoints. If you show your government or your, your U.S. passport, you've just made yourself a target. I mean, 
honestly, this it is so. But that's that's the talking point they're gonna use, and they, everyone needs to remember that they're gonna leave thousands of people behind to be slaughtered, they be made sex slaves, to be beheaded by these troglodytes. Uh, you know, and that's I just love that. Any American that wants to leave, I I don't know. <laughs> Frank, are there are there Americans that want to stay right now? Are there any? Of course not. Of course not. I mean, who would say, you know something? I'd like to give that Sharia law a try. You know what I mean? Really. Anyone looking to do that? I mean, it, it just it is so ridiculous. But this this White House, they will say, Jen Psaki and all those guys will say anything they feel they need to. Even when they know it's not believable, they don't care because they have a compliant press with them. Unfortunately, though, for them, the press is a little less compliant on this issue because we've been in uh, Afghanistan for 20 years. A lot of people in the press have been to Afghanistan. They've seen it up close personal. They made personal acquaintances with translators and like it when they were over there. This actually gets a little closer to home to a lot of press people than most other things because this is actually something where they remember being over there and you're kind of vulnerable because you're in a war zone. You're not a combatant, so you're really dependent on the protection of your Afghan interpreters and you know military like this. So they have a little more, you know, I guess skin in the game, if you will, than most normal issues. Like you know, the border crossing, they don't care about that. They don't mean a thing to them. No. But this does mean something to him. And I think that's part of why he's getting a lot more pushback than he ever has on anything else. And what's kind of interesting is even Geraldo Rivera is upset about this. Because even even Geraldo, yeah. as liberal as he can be, understands the danger. Right, right. You know, but you ask, is, was this planned? Yes, I think the, the, the pullout was completely planned to go exactly like this. Because Biden wanted the photo op for 9-11 to say, I, Joseph Robinette Biden, got us out of the longest war in American history. I brought us home. You know, I won this thing. And he wanted that photo op. What he didn't consider, because they're stupid and they're craving political hacks that look at everything through a political prism, is... That, that when by pulling out the military, because they have to get the military out by 9-11, they say, we're out of there. They never stop to think, oh, shit, what about the all the civilians and the women and children and all that stuff? That never even crossed their mind. And only because it became an issue did they even scramble. If that, if that had never been made an issue, they would have been like, oh, well, we got out. I mean, I, I really, I don't think it's any more than that. It was planned. But I don't think they intended for these unintended consequences of people, thousands and thousands of people, possibly being held and slaughtered because he left them behind. Oh, he's going to have a photo op, all right. He's going to oh, have yeah. a photo op. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And it's not going to be a good one. Yeah, absolutely. And what? And he's taking himself to the corner because he can't, you know, because he doesn't have the political will to actually send in you know, about, I don't know, two or three division, you know, light infantry, uh, 101st, like that, to say, okay, we're going to take back Bodrum. We're going to clear out freaking 
cobble uh, around that airport. We're going to start getting our freaking people. He's not going to do that because he doesn't want to take casualties. He doesn't want to see uh, anywhere where he actually reinitiated the war and we have to whack a bunch of bad guys and all of this stuff. And, you know, so he's not going to do that. No. So he's painted himself in a corner. So they're going to, what they'll go do is every government, good government employee does, when they get caught not making their quota, they just lie about the figures. So they'll lie and say, oh, we got everybody out. And then they'll whisper, they wanted to get out. You know what I mean? Type of thing. And I'm interested to see how long it takes for the media to start becoming more compliant and, and towing that line. Because they will eventually. You yeah. know what I mean? You know, because that's just in their nature. I mean, because they're craving, you know, soulless creeps also. Right. Hey, Frank, do me a favor. You're you're starting to break up just a little bit. If you can just kind of move to an area where you get just a little bit better. Um, How's that? How's that? Uh, a little bit better. A little bit better. Okay, good. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll edit that out. So, you know, we went from, and I want people to remember that, you know, if you're ever a member of the United States military, and I know that only about 1% of the American population ever serves in the military, there's a motto that you never leave anybody behind. And we have gone to great, great lengths and sacrifices to rescue people. Just go back to um, the Vietnam War. Any of you that are interested in those types of things, um, um, several of the medals of honor that were given out during this uh, during the Vietnam conflict were due to Navy SEALs, uh, airmen, uh, parachute riggers from the Air Force. You know, you know, it, it, Army specialists that have gone out and uh, really put themselves at risk to rescue downed airmen. One person. Uh, we have gone through great lengths to rescue one individual. And now we have uh, about 10,000. By the way, we don't even know the full number of people there. It could be much higher than 10,000 people, and we aren't doing anything. Um, I, I want to remember. I want to point out that you know, not long ago, there was a movie called Saving Private Ryan, and the whole movie was how um, an entire unit went out and basically sacrificed themselves, potentially, to rescue one guy, because that's what we do in America. And this is absolutely shameful to me that we're doing what we're doing. And it's sad because, Frank, you and I both know that we have the military capability to go in there and get these people out. It is an actual decision, a conscientious decision that is being made by this commander-in-chief. And for you people that are out there that are saying that Trump would have done this and Trump wanted to do the same thing, he absolutely did not want to do this. And I'm getting sick and tired of the comparisons between this man and Donald Trump. There is nothing. There's nobody that I know with a straight face would say that Donald Trump would be doing this right now. You don't have to believe me. You don't have to believe you. You don't have to believe Donald Trump. You just go listen to what my, Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, number one graduate in his baseball class, a solid, solid operator, has said. He's laid out the plan that was in place for this withdrawal, and it was all conditional, and it was all based on that the Taliban made several, you know, benchmarks or gates they had to get through before we would pull out, and it was it was systematic, and it was orderly, and it was done it was going to be done the professional way. So the comparisons, it, that's that you know they talk about well that's just what aboutism, well that's what they're practicing. Well, when they say well Trump would have done it, that's what aboutism. In reality, this is not even accurate because. That's not what Trump had planned. 
No, not at all. Not at all. There's nobody in the right mind. In fact, um, down in Alabama, Trump had a rally just the other night, and he was pretty clear about what he would have done. And it was concise, it was clear, and it would have been easily executable, and it would have been devastating towards the Taliban. And let me, and let me explain further why he would have had a plan and why Biden doesn't. Here's the difference between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Joe Biden has spent approximately 50 years as a political hack. He's never accomplished anything. He's never made anything happen. He's never had to plan anything out in a sequential manner to make sure they met certain deadlines and got things done. He's never done that his entire career. Whereas uh, Donald Trump spent his entire career as a builder having to meet deadlines, meet certain standards and parameters and benchmarks and get through certain gates on certain time periods at a certain budget. He did that for 50-some years. That's why I know he had a plan in place because he didn't. He doesn't do things like you know uh, senators that have been a senator their entire career that have only done us talk about doing something that never do it. He actually has accomplished things. That's how I know he had a plan in place. Well, what do you make now of our relationship with our allies? Well, obviously, we have... We have done more, I mean, not we, Joe Biden has done more to dissolve NATO than any president ever. They always claim Trump was going to, you know, get rid of NATO, break it up. Hell, Trump strengthened it more than any president in, you know, geez, since NATO's come along. And Biden has torn our relationships with NATO so bad that they don't trust us. And you mentioned that, that, that House of Commons, that member of parliament that uh, was talking about it. And, and if you listen to my episode that's coming up this Wednesday, uh, The Lies People Tell, I actually play the clip of his speech because it's like a seven-minute speech where he talks about how the Britain needs to start looking more towards their European allies in Australia and, and not depend on one particular ally or one particular commander-in-chief that makes the decision for everyone. Well, who's he talking about? He's talking about America. He's talking about Biden. He's saying, hey, Germany, Holland, France, Poland, Australia, New Zealand, we need to look for towards each other and forget America because they, they're obviously not you know, uh, reliable. Yeah, and I did hear that clip, and and one of the, I mean, there were a lot of devastating comments. If you, and again, the for the audience, if you've not gone back and and watched uh, the the questions that were put to the prime minister, uh, I really, really invite you to do that. But uh, the individual I, I, you're talking about, I believe, is actually an Afghan veteran, and it yes. was very emotional, very emotional. He, he was a colonel with the British military, British, I think, army. And he was actually embedded with the 82nd and like that. And they, he was decorated by the 82nd for heroism in combat. I mean, th- this guy's a real deal. You know what I mean? And uh, he's not, and he is the chairman of their House Foreign Relations Committee. So he, he's not just some backbencher. He's a guy that's actually got a pretty prestigious uh, committee. He's the chairman of it. So his way, his Words carry weight. And when you listen to it, say, you don't hear anybody, you know, say, no, no, no. They're all like, here, here. Yes. They're, they're completely in agreement with it. Completely in agreement with it. 
Well, Frank, what do you, where do you see this going? I mean, three and a half more years of a Biden administration, and this is a lot of damage. By the way, we're just talking about Iraq today. We haven't even touched on the border. We haven't touched about gas prices, um, energy. We haven't talked about um, race relations or uh, defunding the police or the fact, oh, uh, another thing that he's he's pushing this week while this is going on is this $1.2 trillion uh, package that he wants to push through. Oh, another one. This is not the only trillion plus dollar package and we aren't even touching on those things basically if joe biden and this administration has put their hands on an issue it's destructive three and a half more years of this frank what do you see what do you see happening well there's a couple of different scenarios that can take place none of them good uh and everyone needs to just understand we got three and a half more half three and a half more years of pain that's it's as simple as that whether sleepy joe's in there or kamala either way we got pain coming and 2022 is going to be pivotal if we can take over the house and senate even though republicans are as feckless as democrats as far as i'm concerned but political survival kicks in and even they would have to say, yeah, we got to put a stop to some of this stuff because if we don't, we're not going to get reelected. So I, I think 2022 is going to be terminal. Is Joe going to get removed? It's damn sure possible. But the other side is, is then the Kamala would be in there. Now, the question is, is, would Kamala be any worse or would she be any better? Honestly, I don't think she'd be any better. I don't think she'd be any worse. I think she would be you know, a placeholder till 2024, and someone else, she would not get a second term. And, and Biden's not even going to make it to the second term. But they're, they're going to have a real tough time in 2024. And they're, they're, they should be worried. They should be worried because they deserve not to be, they, they really all deserve not to be in power ever again. Yeah. Well, and I, I've given great thought to impeachment and what will happen and whether it's worth it. Um, I think at this point, Frank, and and give me your thoughts on this, I think that it's important for us to impeach him, not because it'll make the situation any better, because it won't. But I think that it's important to do that, to at least send a message to our allies that we recognize what is going on and we're taking – I think it's a messaging issue for everybody around the world, not necessarily that it will make our situation better. Do you agree with that? I do, but the, the timing of it is going to be key because doing it before uh, the Republicans have a majority in the House and Senate, it's kind of a kabuki theater at that point. Everyone would kind of recognize it as being kabuki theater. It would never get any traction. It probably wouldn't even get heard in the House. So if they're serious about it, then they should do it after 2022 if they get a uh, majority. But if they do it, I want them to be serious about it, and I want them to seriously consider removing him. I don't want it to be just a symbolic gesture. I want it to be something where someone's held accountable, he's removed from office, and to let let the world know we're not doing this anymore. You know, And it would send a real shiver up the spine of every freaking presidential hopeful like, we've been used impeachment enough now that we've actually removed the president for incompetence. Well, I better maybe, you know, I think maybe that would be a nice 
adjustment for all of them that want to be president. Like, you know something? You're not impervious to removal. Because right now they think like, well, what are you going to do? Well, this is what we can do, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And see, they've lowered the bar for impeachment so much with Trump that it's like, uh, well, that's not impeachable offense. Well, a phone call to Ukraine isn't either, but I remember uh, a president got impeached for that. So, yeah, suck it. Sorry. Well, I think that, to me, I think leaving American citizens behind is a high crime and misdemeanor. I mean, it's a, well, it's a dereliction of duty. Well, of course, but I'm just saying, they'll say, oh, well, you don't have, you don't have uh, justification, you know what I mean? And uh, whether you, uh, my point is, whether you have justification or not is immaterial at this point because they made the rules. I'm just playing by the rules that they've made. They said, oh, we can impeach him because we don't like him. All right, well, then uh, I guess, because we'll, I'm a big believer in if you come in, if you do something, you know, because you think you can get away with it, don't try it when it gets used against you. You know what I mean? Because uh, you asked for it. And yeah, by the way, it's it's interesting yeah. that they use Alinsky's uh, method. And one of right. Alinsky's things is you hold your opponent to the standard that they demand. And so they created the standards. Okay, then we're going to keep you to the standards that you're demanding. And right. that, this is one of them. But the, but the added thing is, is, as you said, it's easily, you know, provable that that's a high crime of misdemeanor uh, in a dereliction of your duty as commander in chief to leave thousands of Americans to be slaughtered or enslaved by the Taliban. And there's no way you can spin that and say, well, yeah, that really isn't that bad. You condemned them to death and slavery. You abandoned them. You turned your back on them. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, but the problem is, is then you get guys like Trey Gowdy and Duber Graham that gets in there and we're going to hold people accountable. We're going to have hearings for years and years and years. And then hopefully you guys forget that we're having hearings because isn't that what happened with Benghazi? You know, you get this Trey Gowdy goof, you know, in there and he's always talking about he's always making great sound bites. He was a good soundbite guy. He didn't do anything, though. Same thing with Graham. Oh, Graham's very upset. Graham is a blowhard. He's a do-nothing. He always has been, always will be. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting, too, people like you and I sit and wonder, why in the world, if there was ever a time to have a protest, we had all these Black Lives Matter protests, defund the police, all this stuff going on over the last year. If there was ever a time to go or down to the White House and do a press, uh, or to the Capitol for that matter, but this is a White House responsibility and protest, it would be right now, and you're not seeing it. And you might ask, well, why? Why? Because this this really is, this would be a legitimate protest. But they've made protesting by conservatives so dangerous right now, after January 6th, that no conservative in their right mind would go down there. Nobody's going to put themselves at risk um, of protesting right now, but this would be the time to do it, wouldn't it? Yeah, they've criminalized uh, uh, public gatherings if you're a conservative. They've criminalized pro, uh, peaceful protest if you're a conservative. Because even if it's the most peaceful and nothing ever happened, you still get rounded up. I honestly believe that because they're they're still arresting people. Even last week, the FBI, my dear old organization, arrested two people in Ohio uh, for like trespassing. They were in the Capitol for 15 minutes, took some photos, and left. They arrested them. Now, 
exactly what the hell are they arresting these guys for for some minor federal misdemeanor that I've never in my career of you know 20 years of law enforcement doing hundreds of cases hundreds of events have I ever seen a federal misdemeanor charge levied on anyone this is ridiculous so yeah they've criminalized you know even being at a protest so that's they and this is why they did this they want to make sure everyone that's uh, on the conservative side knows you you go out and protest this is what could happen to you and they don't care and they've sent the message to blm and antifa that oh you're on our side yeah you're good you go ahead and burn that federal building down wow this is this is a real trick box this is a real trick box well frank what do you what do you think that people listening today what can they do what should they be doing Well, I tell you, I feel the same. I, That's kind of my response too. That's why I'm asking you because I, they've really taken all options away from us, well, and I, I don't know, know what we could do. And we've got three and a half more years of this crap. Well, I think you know the normal thing is everyone says, you know, contact your congressmen and senators, and 99 percent of the time I'll say, yeah, good luck with that. That does absolutely no good because they don't care. Right now, though. Especially if you have a Democrat senator or a Democrat uh, congressperson, they actually are sensitive to this because they know they're going to get a slacking next year. And there's a lot of them are trying to avoid that. So they're trying to walk that fine line. And they need to be getting told by their constituency from either side of the aisle, both sides of the aisle, hey, you need to be getting something done. You need to be putting pressure on the powers to be to freaking not leave people behind, to do the right thing, send in enough military to secure Bagram or whatever we need to do and get these people out. But it's going to take that type of pressure from outside for some of these weak-willed Congress people to actually step up and do the right thing. Now, I mean, but then again, even if you look at the Republicans, can you name a Republican congressman or senator that's been – you know, uh, throwing it down on uh, on any of the major news channels about this because I tra- I haven't seen any really. No, that's what's shocking to me is that they should be scra- there should be absolutely no other topic on the news right now, and they should be shouting from the rooftops, and they're not. Where are the Republicans in this? Now, I did I did hear Goober Graham, and that's why I mentioned him earlier uh, on this weekend, so one of the weekend shows. You know, blowing smoke up skirts and say, oh, he's going to hold people accountable. But, I mean, like I said, uh, go back and look at his track record. When was the last time he held anybody accountable? I can't remember it. And no one else that's ever followed his career can. So, I mean, him saying it means nothing. I'm talking about, yeah, I want to know where the hell are the Republicans that are saying we're going to help get these people out. We're going to start working with you know, other outside uh, agencies or whatever that may be, and I have no idea what reach they have, but somebody needs to be stepping up and saying, we're not going to let this happen, and and basically shame the administration into doing something. Because right now, you know, they, they're hoping they can whistle by the graveyard right now. That's what they're hoping for, that they can whistle by the graveyard and put this behind us. That's why the FDA, FDA approved the vaccine all of a sudden. You don't think yeah, there was some that came out of the blue, didn't it? Yeah, there were some calls made to say, 
I want that approved right now because we need to pivot from what's going on. Well, I can tell you right here on the Mark Grind Show, there's no pivoting from this. We, we, to me, there is no other topic. There is no topic. Yeah. And I don't want to hear, I don't want to see press conferences about masks and vaccines and critical race theory. I, I'm not interested. Uh, <clears throat> while we have Americans in Afghanistan that cannot get out, then I don't want to talk about anything else. And by the way, Laura Logan last night, who has been a reporter in Afghanistan, in fact, she lived there for quite some time. She pointed out, and I think rightly so, that what you are seeing, as horrific as it is, you're only seeing what's happening at the airport. So you have people that are coming to the airport, showing their passports, so then the Taliban knows who they are. And if they get turned away and they leave, these people are being targeted, they're being attacked, they're being beaten. By the way, the administration has admitted to the beatings. And that you're not seeing that. You're not seeing that in the news. And if you, That's right. uh, just picture yourself, if you were in Afghanistan, and you were trying to get to the airport, um, just think of how frightening that would be to you and your family. And we cannot forget about this, that these people are being targeted once they leave the airport, okay? And the images that we are seeing are bad enough, but again, there's a lot you're not seeing. That's right, absolutely. And when we say beatings, it's not like, you know, you got punched once and that's that. They are literally caning people over there i mean it's when we're talking beatings they're severe beatings they're beatings within the inch of your life type of beatings this is not a shoving match because someone wasn't wearing a mask at uh, costco this is like real beatings you know because these people are crazy um i i you gotta remember these are people that still stone people to death okay they right. are straight out of the old testament okay well, they, <laughs> this they, is like you know seventh century stuff Okay. They executed. They executed a woman because she committed the uh, the broke the Sharia law of driving without having a male present. They took her out of the car and they executed her on the side of the road. That's the te- that's the people we're talking about, and we're hoping that are going to, you know, let our people through. The idea that we're even consulting with them and negotiating with them is is insane and someone said it right and i hate to say it but i think there's a lot of truth to it we didn't pull out we surrendered and we're now we're in the process of negotiating the terms of surrender how many people can we get out what can we take with us you know that's that's kind of where we're at and i don't blame the the uh the soldier and the marine and the airman no i i i blame all of the 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 top brass because they did this. They did. They did. And th- these people that le- – I've never been so embarrassed of our military leadership as I am right now. Th- this Secretary of Defense uh, is just pathetic, absolutely well, pathetic. Well, I was, I, I was telling you about the other Admiral day. Kirby? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Kabul Kirby. Yeah, I, I was telling you the other day, the British SAS, the 2nd British SAS Regiment – 600 men, baddest of the bad. I mean, these are some bad, bad dudes are over there, and they're going out, and they're getting their people. They're getting their allies. They're getting the people that they promised they would get out. out. And the, the division commander of the 82nd Airborne, a guy named Donahoe, had a shot match with the regimental commander of the SAS, telling him that you're screwing up our, our agreement with the Taliban. You're going to get us all in trouble. You're going to get people hurt. 
And the British uh, colonel basically said uh, in a very nice British accent, go pound salt. We're going to do what we got to do. I think he probably was used stronger terminology than that. Uh, but this this is how insane it is. When we have a division commander of the 82nd Airborne, supposed to be the rough and tough, you know, uh, rock em, sock em, you know, bad boys of the bad boys are saying, hey, 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 don't leave. Don't, don't go outside because you're going to get us all in trouble. Once we get to that point and we're begging the Taliban not to hurt us, dude, we need to go. We do need to get the hell out of there. We need to get all the people out of there, get all our military out of there, and then start relieving every star in that was involved with this all the way down to boot camps. Once you get down to major, then we can maybe take a look and say, okay, what, what role did you play in this? You know, but above that, man, they, there should be some really serious head rollings. Yeah. Well, folks, this is a, a tough situation. It's developing as, as we speak. And, you know, this is not a fun topic to have. And I really hate to have it, but it's necessary. And we're going to keep beating this drum. We really are. We really are. And, Elections matter. We talk about that on this program quite a bit. I know Frank talks about it on his program. And we have to, have to, have to get rid of these people, get them out of office. Now, that's going to be starting here in November uh, in Virginia, where I live and where Frank lives, um, folks. We, we've got to get, you know, from the local level, from the school boards to the House of Delegates here in Virginia, whatever state that you happen to be living in, you, you have to get these left-wing radical lunatics out of, out of office. And then we've got to take the Congress back back in 2022 and then ultimately the the white house because we can't do this and and it's important for the world it really is if you're in taiwan right now and frank just give us some departing words on that because that's for some reason that's something that is really sticking out in my mind right now that the place that's most in danger by this demonstration of weakness is taiwan and the um, eyes that china is putting on taiwan right now uh, maybe some departing thoughts on that. Well, I, I'm surprised that China isn't already sending their ships to China and, and got the the engines revving up on their their uh, aircraft to go ahead and take over Taiwan. I, I'm surprised if they haven't done that. I, I'm sure they're preparing for it because right now this is the greatest time in the world to do that because we literally could not do anything about it. Even if we had the will, which we don't, we couldn't do anything about it. That's how how weak we are right now as a nation. And oh, by the way, how many how many of our allies are going to jump in and say, "Oh yeah, absolutely, we'll we'll help you out on this one"? I think we got a really bad. Uh, when it comes to China, they are a true enemy. Forget Russia. Russia, we could crush Russia anytime we want. Yes, they're a nuclear power. I got that. But we militarily, we could crush them at any moment. China, not so much. Economically, Russia is not in a position. China is a very different story. Right. Exactly. You know, and uh, that's the real danger. And, you know, honestly, I'll be surprised if uh, Taiwan isn't under uh, Chinese control by uh, mid next year. I, I don't even think it'll be that long. I think by the end of the year they could have it under control, but honestly, I, I think you know they're they're going to move quick. I would be shocked if they don't. It's a very shocking 
very sobering, if you will, way to look at it. And yeah. but it's the truth. It is an absolute truth. And folks, I just I'm just speechless. And that's not common that I'm speechless, but I am. And I just people wake up. Wake up. Wake up. And stop being so superficial about this stuff. We ended up in this position because people stopped paying attention. We were offended by mean tweets. We didn't like Trump's demeanor. We didn't like, you know, all these different things, very superficial things that have nothing to do with substance. And the United States and the world, and I want to emphasize that, is going to pay a dear, dear price for that. So uh, with that, thank Frank, again, once again, thanks for uh, coming on the show. And those of you that have not checked out his podcast, Lies People Tell, check it out on all of the different um, podcast platforms that are out there. Lies People Tell, um, really great podcast and really good information. But with that, keep your head up. Uh, let's do the right thing. Just do the next right thing. And just, you know, just keep pressing forward and pushing back against this nonsense that is going on right now. We will get through this. This is not the time to wither away. This is not the time to turn your back. It is certainly not the time to check out. This is the time to stand up for your freedom, for your liberty, for being what Ronald Reagan said, and that is being that shiny light on the hill, because that's the only way that we're going to get back to this. The United States is the last bastion of freedom and hope in the world. That's why you saw people risking their lives, and and, in many cases did give their lives by falling off an aircraft to get here. There's a reason why people do that, because they know that we're a great country, and let's keep it great, and let's get back. You know, um, know, Trump's line was, uh, you know, let's let's make America great again. And I say, let's keep America great. Let's do that. And let's do that by being involved and stay, paying attention and pushing and preserving freedom in America. So with that, this is Mark Fines. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>